I left the city, I've been browsing. Treading water that they drowning. My head on the swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Welcome to episode 141 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at DynastyDadFF. It is springtime out. I got my pastel shirt on. Football is right around the corner. And I'm excited for tonight's show because we got Mung. He's a dog. Nerd Boy. He's a dog. Snoog. He's that guy doing rookie content. He's another dog. Welcome, everybody, to the show, man. This is exciting because we're going to break down rookie content. Mike, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's always rookie content, man. I feel like we've been talking about these rookies for five years now. Um, I'm I know, right? We started this process. Exactly. Just, we started this process not. so long ago, and we're like, all right, we'll just keep talking about it. And now we're just trying to get some fresh perspective, you know, like trying to see where we're at tonight. We're going to take the entire consensus rankings of the four of us and, and my man, John Hampton. Obviously, he couldn't be on tonight, but we're going to go over that. We're going to show you, you know, we don't all agree, and we're going to talk about how we do those things. Mung, I know you just released your, um, you know, Dynasty rookie content and your rookie uh, rankings over there at Fantrax. Tell me a little bit about how you go about the process. You know, like when you go to do those rookie rankings, you're so used to doing, you know, what you do with Superflex and what you do with, with, with Dynasty and Redraft. And then it comes in around to the rookie time. And I know you usually release yours a little bit later. Talk to me a little bit about the process. Well, actually, right now, I've only posted them in our Smash Discord. So hey. those of you who subscribe to our Discord are uh, exclusively seeing my rookie rankings so far. But I will be publishing an uh, updated dynasty rankings overall, as well as rookie rankings pretty soon on fan tracks. But yeah, in general, I mean, I, I don't consider myself film expert by any means, and I don't have my own algorithm. So I kind of just go through and watch the film. And then I read a lot about what people that I trust think about these rookies, see if it lines up with what I'm seeing on the film. And then I look at the different metrics as well. So I really want to take a holistic view because I don't think that you can really get the entire picture from purely film or purely data. And really, we should be you know, looking at uh, all aspects of every single prospect and not excluding anyone simply because they didn't hit one metric or can't do, you know, can't run one single route on film, whatever it might be. Absolutely. I love that. And I love the, the shout out to the Patreon. We got a, a comment on there the other day from, from Taylor Put. Shout out to him. He said, I downloaded the Discord and it's overwhelming how badass it is. He's, I've been listening to the Dynasty content and everything you guys have been putting out. Thanks for all the info and I'll be in touch even more in the Discord. So love that. Guys, we got a special treat for you because part of our Patreon, my man FF Snoog, who's been blowing it up with rookie con content. We've been talking for months. We just did two rookie profiles on two of his favorite players. Welcome to the show officially for the first time. My man, Alex, how you doing? Good, man. It's a good night to be on with some new faces. I can't wait to talk about some of my favorite rookies in this class and do a nice mock for the viewers. 
and hopefully help people get a feel for how the rookies are going to go in the springtime with some of the best to do it. So I'm excited. Are you saying you didn't enjoy my face during the rookie profiles? You know what I mean? Like we got, we had a little intimate time there talking Kendra Miller and Zach Evans, who we're going to get into tonight. So yeah, it was a good time. Mike, I kind of skipped over you on that. I know you and I have similar thought process. And I mean, when you, when we go over these rankings, yours and I's are, are the most similar. Tell the, all the listeners how you go about putting together your rankings. Cause I think yours is different than Mung's. It's different than John's. I mean, we all kind of do this a little bit differently. And tonight's idea is just to bring an eclectic approach and talk about why we have these guys where we're at. And, you know, I mean, we're less than right now. We're 25 days away from the draft and my birthday, of course, which is on draft day every night, which is fantastic. But how do you go about starting? Because you and I started this process. I mean, it didn't just happen a couple of weeks ago. It's been going on for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm big into Debbie, so I, I start my process um, usually from day one. You know, I'm watching a lot of film on these guys. I usually have them on my teams or, you know, I'm, I'm playing them or whatever. You know, I'm just looking at draft boards and um, I'm watching a ton of film. Uh, I, I'm heavy into film at the beginning. And then once the draft process begins, as far as um, these players coming out for the draft, uh, my first ranking is based off of that film that I watch, you know, so it's just all what my talent level um, assessment would be from that point on. And then I do a three different ranking. So I, I rank again after the analytics come out. Um, so most of the time, you know, these players are coming out for the combine or their pro days. Um, we get a lot of that analytic data. You know, we get to see um, just kind of how they they test and and everything like that. So then all those testing scores go to the second tier of rankings that I do. Um, and then ultimately the last one's going to be all to you know, DC. So their draft capital. And I take all those combined and I, I just make a, a beautiful baby. And that's my final rankings usually. I love that you define DC because you, you put that all the time in the, in the discord and people are like, yo, what's the deal with Washington? You know, like we're not talking, it's draft capital. We're kind of getting that going. Snoog, you have been, you and I have touched base when, you know, you kind of got, got started and making the threads and, and trying to get, talk to me a little bit about your process as far as ranking and then just your overall process of, of dynasty, right? You're like diving into this new space of, of rookie content and production and content creating. And if you guys don't follow them again, give everybody, let them know where they can find you. But talk to me a little bit about that process for you. Yeah, so first and foremost, you can follow me at FFSnoog on Twitter. That's primarily where I do all my work as of right now. Um, rookies are my favorite thing every year, so I'm always diving deep into that early on and just trying to find all the values in the draft. So like you mentioned, a lot of my threads I've been working on, I try to focus on my favorite guys, but I also like to point out guys that I don't like as much as others. And I like to find the weaknesses that I find in those players and give a process for everything. So a lot of the people that kind of on Twitter kind of like to pick their favorite guys and only pick their favorite guys to write about. But I really like to dive deep into, like I mentioned, the guys I'm not so big on and try to find the value switch in between each player in the draft. Um, and like you guys mentioned, draft capital is everything, especially for running back. So I like to try to do my evaluations based on pure talent and not so much predicting draft capital because I don't think we can predict a guy like Roshan Johnson is going to be a second round pick or a guy like Tajay Spears because we don't know what the NFL is going to do and we don't know what the scouts think about these guys, whether we like them or not. 
So it's important to focus on the weaknesses of these players like Tajay Spears, two torn ACLs. I'm sure not a lot of people know about that, but because the people that like them won't tell you that. So I try to point out those weaknesses and the I get in between the nicks and crannies of players and just try to keep putting out content just to spread awareness throughout the community. I like that. And that's a good thing because, I mean, we're looking at things right now and the rankings are subjective. Like all of you guys have said at this point, like draft capital is everything. I mean, whoever becomes that running back that's taken in the second round and becomes that, that's going to be the RB4. I mean, we have such a disconnect after we get past these first couple guys. But let's just jump right into it and we'll kind of analyze things as we go. All of us unanimously across the board have Bijan Robinson as the one, Um, you know, in years past, The 101 has about 30% more value than the 102. This year, it's almost double. I mean, you're looking at things where right now, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit of a value chart that I'm working on. But I mean, the one you can get the 102 to the 105 or 106 for Bijan Robinson right now. And and Nerd Boy, I mean, if we've talked about it time and time again, like. B. John Robinson, we're pricing out at his absolute ceiling. If somebody comes to you today, you know, and we're, we're kind of combining smash or pass and smash except tonight. But if someone comes to you today and they say, hey, man, I'm going to give you the 102 and the 105 for B. John Robinson. Is that a smash or pass for you? Yeah, that's a smash. Um, you know, I think the B. John, like we talked about, he his being – valued way above any 101 that we've seen besides a quarterback you know yeah as far as the record goes, um he has to come out and he has to be the most you know skilled elite you know efficient guy um to, to hit in the, the right spot too at this point yeah, yeah so he's got to he's got to have everything clicking right away to meet this value and um again realistic for a rookie running back to just hit the ground running you know we don't see that even with the best you know, even, you know, JT took a what, half a year at least mm-hmm. um, to get going. And then um, Brees last year, you know, he didn't he didn't go until what, mid mid year. So, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you're talking about getting the QB one and either JSN or, or Gibbs with that, you know, with that package. And, and that's a huge smash. I mean, we're talking about super flex leagues where these quarterbacks could easily be twice the value of Bijan. Um, that year, even yeah, not even in a year's time. So, well, and we get this scenario yeah, right now. I mean, every every league I have the one hundred and one, and it's only three of them. I have the four and the five as well. But one that I'm thinking about is, dude, if I could get four and five for one, even where I could come out and you know, if I'm not a hundred percent ready to compete, and I get JSN and Gibbs, like okay, you know, this is a scenario where I have two shots now at elite level prospects, and I know Bijan feels like that can't miss. And we have an entire podcast if you guys haven't heard it on the 101. Mike and I covered and Mung, what do we cover? Forty to fifty dynasty trades. Really, some of them are obscure, are, are just absolutely insane. Getting from Jefferson, Jamar Chase, even up all the way to you know buying them on the cheap. So check that out for sure. Um, we get into the the 102, and this is where everything kind of changes. Everybody has it a little bit differently. Draft capital is going to be everything. Mung, you know, you and I both agree that if, you know, either Stroud or Richardson go to Carolina, that that's going to, you know, that that probably will be the 102. If Anthony Richardson goes Carolina one overall, how close does he become to Bijan Robinson? Right now we're talking about, you know, if you, you put it in on any value chart, you're almost half the value of Bijan Robinson. 
let's say Anthony Richardson goes to Carolina, that situation that we all kind of like with the coaching staff, the offensive line, you know, the run game in place with Miles Sanders, just how high of a ceiling are we talking on Anthony Richardson? Well, to me, it doesn't even necessarily matter if he goes, you know, one overall to Carolina, as long as Anthony Richardson has top three, top four overall draft capital, that would cement him as my clear 102 and very close to Bijan. Because again, in fantasy, we want that game-breaking, week-winning upside. And to me, Anthony Richardson offers that because essentially what we're saying is, hey, what if we gave you an athlete, a freak athlete like Cam Newton at quarterback? We'll drop him anywhere, and he might be good at passing. He might suck at passing, but we know he's going to run for six to 800 yards, six to eight rushing touchdowns, and immediately be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And in super flex formats, that would make him very close to Bijan Robinson, and I wouldn't call anyone crazy even for taking him over Bijan Robinson because we know just how valuable quarterbacks are in that format. Yeah, I mean, we we the ceiling is a Jalen Hurts type player, right? I mean, this is a guy that he's going to take some time. You know, it's definitely going to there's going to be a learning curve that's definitely in there. But the ceiling is super high. I, I think we're looking at three quarterbacks here who right now before draft capital and, and you said it perfectly. Like a lot of people in the past are saying, well, what about player X? What about player Y? We had them in the beginning. Draft capital is everything. If he goes outside the top. 15 if he pushes back we get a Malik Willis situation where he but that I don't believe that happens I believe we're going to get see a guy go quarterbacks are going to go one through three in my estimation Snoog you and I both have the same guy at two and I think he just seems pro ready he's more that prototypical guy tell me why you have CJ Stroud as your number two overall in Superflex. yeah Stroud's a pocket menace um he's so pure in the pocket and he is the best touch out of this, anybody in this class, especially on his deep ball. So I just think he's obviously the most pro ready. He has the best um, accurate arm in this class by a landslide too, in my opinion. I actually really do like Bryce Young too a lot. I know that's Mike's guy, um, but CJ just can pick your defense apart and put together some long drives. I know people like to kind of knock him on the extending plays and kind of moving in the pocket, but I think he showed that at Georgia. That's definitely part of his game. He just wasn't asked to do it, right? That's not part of Ohio State's system. It's kind of just, here you go, here's the offense, pick apart the defense, put together a long drive, run the ball. It's not really set for a running quarterback. Mm -hmm. So I think C.J. Stroud just has the the safest floor, and I think he still has that high-level Joe Burrow-ish type ceiling because he's a phenomenal passer. I love that we have three like phenomenal dynasty minds here and all three of you guys have a different QB one, you know, and, and that's awesome to me because the way we can maneuver value nerd boy, I'm going to come to you next. Cause I know your guy is Bryce young there. I want you to talk about Bryce young a little bit, but let, let's talk about this tier. I mean, we're talking about, you know, we have three quarterbacks here and I also have JSN in that area. And obviously, you know, some people have Gibbs, but if you want one of these quarterbacks or not, what is the process that you're going about? right now you know i mean it looks like young seems like the guy that's going to go wind up with the texans which i think is is better for him because if stroud winds up with the texans with the poor offensive line compared to carolina's line i think things change a little bit but mike why is it bryce young for you as that you know qb2 and how do we go about extrapolating value because that's what we talk about here all the time at smash except yeah um 
to kind of clarify there, you know, Anthony Richardson, I think, has the highest floor of any of these quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sorry, the highest ceiling of these quarterbacks. Um, you know, if he does get the draft capital that, you know, we are assuming he gets, um, you know, I think it's, you know, like I said, you need rushing to be an elite quarterback in fantasy um, or yeah. you have to be, an, you know, a Hall of Fame thrower. You know, you got to yeah. throw Burrow level. At exactly. that point, you know, um, you got to throw five touchdowns a game. So but I don't the think the quarterbacks was... are going to are going to fall into a situation where they throw Jamar Chase and Higgins every game. Yeah. So um, we're we're talking about you know the the guy that is rushing is the one that you want. Um, and for it, a week, like I was telling people, he has the highest ceiling. He also has the biggest risk for career wise, but he's got the highest weekly floor, right? Because the guy's going to rush for you know. Obviously, if he gets out there, the athleticism we've seen, six, 700 yards, that's going to give him a floor that's going to put him in a spot where he's going to put up fantasy production. You know, like the other guys feel a little bit safer in that round. Why is it young for you at the current juncture in time? Um, young has that dog in him. You know, he is always dogs again. He is that, that big game quarterback. You know, he mm-hmm. is in there and he's got he's got the balls, man. Like he is in there. <laughs> whatever like he's not scared of the big the big game at all um and and that's me you know aside from his size i have nothing bad to say about his game at all you know Mm -hmm. and even that is it's the new nfl it's not scaring me too much um but passing wise he doesn't yield anything um skill wise to to stroud for me you know his passing is elite. You know, he's, he's got a, an arm on him. Um, like I said, he's very accurate and um, he is, he's great in the big games, you know, and, and he can extend plays just like Stroud. And um, I just, I, I just think people are undervaluing him because of that size. And I, I it might be a big regret that people have um, down the line, but they're, they're so close to me that it's, it is, you know, I, I can't, you know, say with a hundred percent that I would take young, um, you know, day one, if, you know, JSN gets linked up with Stroud or, you know, if, if we're talking, you know, weapons on top of weapons for one of these quarterbacks, I think I'm with the one that has the best situation. Um, but you know, pre draft, I'm definitely taking young over Stroud. And we're in a situation here, Mung, where we talked about, you know, normal differentiation between the 101 and 102 is 30%. That's up to 50%. The the differentiation between the 102 and the 103 is usually some decent draft capital. This year I put out a, or I put out a poll this week. You know, right now people are looking at the difference between the 102 and the 103 is roughly the 205. You know, it's just a second round pick to get your difference in there. How are you going about talking to your, you know, talking to the other guys in your league, trying to figure out where you get that value, trying to make some trades. Do we navigate, you know, from four to two because it doesn't cost much and someone really might, you know, present themselves in that area? Do we, do we navigate from two to four because we don't really care between the three of them ceiling versus floor? I mean, I think this is a part here among where it's time to figure out where we can get some value because we talk about tiers. We talk about trying to find this value ahead of time. It really comes down to how much conviction you have about your quarterback rankings out of the top three or even four if you want to include Levis. Because to me, if you want those extra, let's say, a 20-24 second uh, in order to move back from 1-2 to 1-4, 
and you're happy with that and you don't have a strong opinion on these quarterbacks, I think that's fine. And if you really have a strong preference for one of those quarterbacks of the top three or four, I also think it's fine to pay, uh, you know, even an early second to move up a couple spots to secure your guy. Because at the end of the day, you have to have conviction in your picks, right? Whatever mm -hmm. the analysts say, whatever the quote unquote experts say, ultimately, how are you going to feel based on value if you miss out on your guy? And to me, again, not to harp on Richardson too much, but I just don't think there is such a thing as a safe prospect. People faded Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. People faded uh, Justin Herbert, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones weren't as hyped up as Dwayne Haskins and Josh Rosen uh, just a couple of years ago. So at the end of the day, neither us as Dynasty GMs nor the NFL scouts have really figured out how to evaluate whether or not a quarterback will develop in the NFL. So to me, I'm always shooting for ceiling, especially when it comes to quarterback. Yeah, and, and, and looking at the last 10 years, you look at quarterbacks, it's a 30% hit rate of them becoming QB1s, where running backs going in that first round, it's almost a sure thing. You know, and we get to that area. Wide receivers, it's a lot more like the 50-50 shot. Uh, Snoog, I'm going to come over to you here because we're looking at, you know, you and I are the only ones that have a wide receiver inside our top four. You know, like there's a there's the Bijan and the three quarterbacks. You and I both have JSN in that. You know, you have him at three. I have him at four. You know, there's this, a couple teams out there where I have Trevor Lawrence. I have Justin uh, Jalen Hurts. I have Justin Herbert. I have two or three of these guys where you have a luxury of going with what looks like an absolute elite wide receiver in the making. Yeah, absolutely. And just like what Meng was just saying, um, the quarterback position is just so hit or miss. If you look at the past few years, you had Trey Lance going as the 103 in a stacked class. I had a Jamar Chase and guys like that. Um, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, those are the two only like, can't-miss QB prospects since I started watching fantasy football that I was like, all right, these guys are not busting. There's no way. And even Trevor Lawrence had a really tough rookie year. And his ADP dropped. He was a third round pick last year. I have so many shares of him because of it. Um, so it does get tricky with the quarterbacks, especially when they land in a situation where there's no weapons, no O-line, poor coaching, just bad situations in general are not good for rookie quarterbacks, especially if they're starting from day one. Um, so that's why I'm going all in with my boy Jackson. Um, can't miss wide receiver prospect. I think he's going to be easily a second round starter pick come this time next year, if not a first round. Um, I have high hopes for him. And what I'm going to do is like you guys were talking about kind of just feeling up the league and just kind of knowing your board and just trading back and stuff. I'm going to be trading back a ton from my one on two, one on threes and trading for established quarterbacks. I'm going to get a 24 first on top to move back to the five or the six from the two. And I'm going to take Jackson who I would take at two if I had to. So I'm all for that. And, that's just how I feel about it. Um, I love Bryson Stroud a lot, and I'm actually really high on Richardson. I was for a while now. Um, I'm going to take them for sure, but it's it's kind of about just taking advantage of the value, and especially like with Bijan, nobody wants to pay four or three firsts for a running back. It's the most volatile position in football. So I would also be flipping Bijan for JSN Plus in so many leagues that I have the 101. So that's honestly my main goal going into the draft 
is just to get as much JSN as possible. <laughs> I know when, so. when you get that conviction on a player, I had that with Jamar Chase and then I backed off it, you know, when we started to hear that this or that was going on as far as like, as far as the drops in camp and those kind of things. So it's, you get a conviction on a guy like that, you go get your guy. And uh, Nerd Boy, Ramey, I just recently released my top 10 dynasty wide receivers and I have Jackson Smith and Jigba all the way up at nine, you know, right below Chris Olave, right above Drake London. I mean, that is some area where a lot of people, I know when we had Jamar Chase came out, I said he was a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. You know, when Justin Jefferson came out, we were, we were flirting that way. Is JSN a top 10 dynasty wide receiver right off the bat? Or is there a draft capital or a draft window we have to hit? Or does it have to be the right situation you know i mean it, what are you looking for out of jsn to solidify you know we're all in the same area you have him at five mung has him at five john has him at five snoog at three me at four yeah i think he's he's definitely top 12 right off the bat um even before drafting you know i mm -hmm. i i took him in the third round at the turn um a couple weeks ago right near Olave and, and London, you know, so that's where I, I have him valued currently. Um, I'm pretty much on board with you. Usually it's me and you with the echo chamber. We're just talking. Um, that's why we need Mung here. Cause it's like, we, he grounds us, man. The same thing back and forth, back and yeah. forth. And um, yeah, I, I think he's, he's definitely, um, I have him right there with like Devonta, you know, Olave, like, like that area. Um mm -hmm. Even even before draft capital hits and and landing spot and all that, um, I, he just he is a can't miss prospect. And you know, um, you're you're silly to fade him for any landing spot or or whatever reason. If camp hype like Jamar mm -hmm. Chase and he can't, he's doing body catches or drops or whatever. Just don't listen to that stuff because you know it's not it's not gonna do you any good. So it sounds like, and we've been talking about this for months about if you're in that 102 to 104 and you don't have to have a quarterback, you can move out. I talked to one of the guys in the Patreon. We just got this deal done about an hour ago. Dom Munoz, shout out to him. He was like, hey, man, I want to give the 102 and get Kyler Murray. I said, hey, yo, there's rookie fever, man. You don't have to just do that even. We negotiated a deal where he got Kyler Murray and Kenneth Walker, which I know Nerd Boy I got him cheap in one of our Smash Leagues earlier today. The 102, so he gives up Sutton. Pickett, the 102, and a late 24 first for Kyler Murray and Kenneth Walker. To me, that's an absolute smash, except where you can start to use guys like Kenny Pickett, like Sutton, to move around in the draft. And the 102 isn't necessarily, if you guys don't feel comfortable, make those kind of trades. I got, I gave up Trey Lance in the 102 and got Jalen Hurts. You know, you can move around and do those kind of things. Now let's start breaking into where things get a little bit different. We're all almost completely consensus here on, on Jameer Gibbs. Um, I think Jameer Gibbs at six is one of the best values that we've had in the last few years in Dynasty. Um, you know, you look at him and everyone says, well, he's not the prototypical size. You know, 5'9", 199. Christian McCaffrey's 5'11", 202 when he came out. Eckler, 5'9", 198. These are the guys that he compares to because if you look at my man Zoltan put out where you're looking at when these guys you know, go out in the slot. He's right there in the same mold as Kamara, as Christian McCaffrey, both in that 14% plus. And his ADOT was literally, you know, these are the guys that are not taking dump offs. 2.47 on his ADOT, 11.7 yards, you know, after the catch. Snoog, I, I mentioned, you got to be pumped because I mentioned Kamara and Gibbs in the same sentence. Those are both your boys. But 
talk to me about the thread that you released today because that thing was absolute fire. It's getting a lot of, you know, a lot of content creators are, are starting to look in on that. And I think it's fantastic work. Yeah, screw the size doubts for sure. Um, Jameer Gibbs all the way. Um, he's a generational receiving back talent. I don't care what anybody says. He's one of the best to ever do it coming out as a prospect. He did it at Georgia Tech. He did it at Alabama. It didn't matter. SEC, ACC, NFL. He's going to do it. He's going to produce at a high level no matter where he is. Um, and a lot of people like to doubt him saying, oh, well, he will he get the side? Like, will he get the touches? Will he get this? A lot of people talk about guys like Charbonnet, but say Charbonnet lands in a situation kind of in that committee-ish type, not getting the receiving work. Hey, don't you don't you talk bad on Sharbs, all right? <laughs> you know, Nerd Boy and I are going to come after you. Like this, I was trying not to you know get down on Kendra. I, I like Charbonnet actually a lot. I'm just trying to make a reference of Jameer Gibbs's kind of floor. I think it's really high. No matter where he goes, he's going to get the receiving work, right? Mm -hmm. So that's all that matters because that's where a lot of the points come for, especially for guys like Kamara. Someone tweeted the other day, I think Kamara's never had over 200 rushing attempts in a season, and he's been like an RB1 the past seven years, six years. So that's my boy, uh, Kamara to the moon. But, yeah, the thread, I just wanted to point out that the size didn't matter for Jameer at college. He was a better rusher than a lot of people give him credit for. And he was most definitely a generational receiving talent. Um, he compares to guys like McCaffrey, Reggie Bush, CJ Spiller, uh, Chris Johnson, Jamal Charles, which is my comp for him. And then guys like DeAndre Swift and Travis Etienne are who are in the league today as well with Kamara, Eckler, guys like that. Um, a lot of people like to call Eckler a lot bigger than he is. He's actually 5'9", 199, which is he the just same yoked. Size. Yeah, yeah, he's just yoked. He's the same size as Jameer. So if, mm -hmm. if that doesn't tell you what you want to hear Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler were running back one and two this year, both sub 200 running backs that are around five ten ish five, nine. So the two smallest backs in the league were the RB one and two, the league's changing. It's becoming a pass heavy league. Don't fade Jameer Gibbs. Just take them, take them six. That's all you got to do is take them six. So here's my question is you're playing a one quarterback league and nerd boy put out that we put that out one quarterback special and man, my DMs are just flooded with one quarterback questions all the time. So let's talk about this right now, Mung and Nerd Boy. I want to get your opinion here on this. So you're at the one, right? But you want to extrapolate more value. You want to move back. If you move, how much would it cost for you to move? Because I think the gap between one and two in Superflex is 50%. The gap between the one and two in, in one quarterback, how much more, Nerd Boy, would you need on top of JSN to move Bijan? I mean, somebody's coming to you right now. How much more is it? Is it a 24 first or is it more than that? I mean, I would, I would gladly take any press at that point in time, depending on my build. Um, but I, I think it's probably a 24 first at this point because we have, you know, Bijan at startup, you know, first rounder. And then we have JSN at a startup fourth rounder. So you need to at least add a first, um, I, I have startup brain. I can't get out of that, you know, so I'm just thinking in that yeah. in those terms, but well, and one um, quarterback league, we always got to look, this blows my mind. Cause when you and I did that, that, you know, when we did that special, we're like, dang, the, like the one twelve is not even, you know, you're taking out four quarterbacks plus in those kind of situations. So, I mean, I think, is it two random 24 first, if we're talking one quarterback, I mean, there's a huge difference between moving from four Oh two in a startup to you know, we're talking one quarterback league. Bijan is a top three 
overall, you know, and I think JSN's probably in that late second to early third range. So yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it very, it could be. Um, I don't think I'm adding in a JSN to get Bijan to be honest, but you know, I think that's probably what the market is, is asking for right now. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not adding two first on the JSN at all. Like there's no way that I'm, I could, I wouldn't I'm just, even do it. First we're on the same second. page. It's just but, the market right now is so overpriced yeah. on Bijan. It becomes unbelievable. Um, Mung, I mean, if you like same same kind of thing. If you're in that, you have that Bijan. I mean, we we have to at least <laughs> you can draft him on draft day, but there's just a matter of we're holding him now until we get blown away. And I'm seeing so many crazy <laughs> offers. Someone's gonna blow you away on draft day. Yeah, I think a 2021st sounds about right in one quarterback leagues because, like Snook said, there's a ton of upside with Gibbs as well, right? Mm-hmm. And his weight isn't a, isn't as big a concern as if he were to weigh, let's say, 180, 185, right? There's a huge order of magnitude difference uh, between around 200 pounds versus sub 190. So I do think that Gibbs's range of outcomes could – he has a ceiling as high as Bijan. I'll say that right now. But Bijan has a higher floor, one, because we do expect him to be a clear first-round draft selection in the NFL draft, and two, because we do expect that he potentially has that workhorse prototypical you know, body and stature where he could see 300 touches both combined you know, in the running and receiving game. So to me, would I pay a first on top of Gibbs or Smith and Jigba to get Bijan? Probably not. At that point, I would probably just roll the dice on one of those two other prospects. If I were to sell, I would try to squeeze out. If you're moving from 101 to 102 or 103 in a one-quarterback format, I would ask for a 2024 first plus a second and see what happens. Yeah, I'm definitely there. I mean, I, I would be willing to pay that first, depending on where it is. Uh, but let's start moving into, you know, we wanted to talk about all these other guys in the first 33 minutes we just hit on the guys that we love. Now, let's start Let's start breaking down. Let's start separating it here. At seven, pretty consensus. We all had, the lowest any of us had was nine. The highest any of us had was seven. Um, you know, Quinton Johnson, Snoog, you had him at seven. Nerd Boy, you had him at nine. We're all kind of in that same area. Um are you buying at seven though? That's the question. Are we ranking at seven? Because when I do my rankings right now, it's a matter of value. It's a matter of where guys are going to go. You know, I know there's times where we, we say that this guy's the 107. That doesn't mean you necessarily have to move him at that area. You know, I have Charbonnet seven, so I'll be moving around where in years past when I find a guy like, you know, Jamison Williams, I was moving off of and trying to move into to different areas. So Snook, Quentin Johnson, I know you you broke down his tape. What do you like about him? And is he a, a good value in here? Because when we had Chad Parsons on, he had him as his wide receiver one above Smith and Jigba. Yeah, QJ's a he's a yak specialist. So I just think he has a ceiling like no other in this class. Um, the floor, not so much, but I think he's my locked and loaded 107. He's gonna be a first round wide receiver. He's young, he checks a lot of boxes. He has some concerns, his hands, he, he cradle catches. He doesn't really high point as much as he should, um, but he does show he can do that on tape. So I, I think the potential is definitely there. And I think his ceiling is ridiculous. And those young wide receivers we saw last year, London, Olave, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks stepped on the field three games and didn't not much, just flashed. He's still priced like a top 24, top 20 guy. Jamison Williams played like, 
I think he had two receptions and he's still priced like wide receiver 17 on keep trade cut. So I just think the market's flying high on wide receivers right now. So I, I think Quentin Johnson's the, should be the consensus 107. And I don't think there's an argument, to be honest. Woo, I think there there's a slight argument there. Nerd boy, you and I both have Charbonnet at seven. So let's let's talk about the case for Charbonnet to be at seven. Because uh, I feel like he's that third running back that's taken here. So let, there's a lot to unpack here. First, I want to talk about you know Charbonnet versus Quinton Johnson. Uh, the gap between the 106 and 107, because we all agree that's where that next tier is. And then I know you're not a big Quentin Johnson guy, so how do you go about, yes, he's worth the 107. If you have the 107, how do you go about trying to gain more value of you know knowing your league makes and making a trade? Because I believe Quentin Johnson could be the first wide receiver taken off the board, if not the second. Yeah, there's a, you just hit me with 20 different questions there, but I'll try to go through all of them here. Um, yeah, so going from 106 to 107, I think we all agreed that it is a big drop. Um, you know, I don't know if it's viewed like that across the board in your leagues um, because people aren't like us. They're not degenerates that are, you know, have been talking about rookies for the last, you know, nine months or whatever. But, um, yeah, I would say there's – I mean – like we talked about in the one quarterback, the one and two with the 24 first, there's the 24 first between the sixth and the seventh here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how big of a gap I think there is. But um, to touch yeah, on the, the QJ, value chart, I, the value chart that I'm working at has it 107 and 109 are pretty much the two of them for the 106 is really close. So, I mean, there is a huge drop off from six to seven at this stage in the game. So, I, I love that. We're on the same page. So, Charbonnet versus Quentin Johnson. And if you don't want Quentin Johnson, who I know you're not big on, how are you moving out of that area? Yeah, so with QJ, I do agree that he probably has the highest ceiling of this receiving class, but also has the lowest floor of this receiving class. Um, he has a big-time boomer bust um, tendency to him because he is maybe the best receiver ever in one series, and then he just is – I don't know where the hell he goes for the next series. Yeah. You know? Like he, he will, in the same game – go away for like an entire half of a game and then he'll he'll reappear for like you know a series and you'll be like whoa that dude is the best wide receiver i have ever seen and then he's just gone again you know it's like he's the best wide receiver or maybe i've been it's a game sometimes and it's it's great you know but i don't know if i want to rely on that um as my you know wide receiver two in this class uh, i think you know addison um, and Sharp have a, a safer floor. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna throw to mid first, um, I think I want to go safety at the beginning. Um, I don't mind going boomer bust a little later. You know, I'm at the, at the back end of the first. I would, you know, I would gladly take QJ at 109 all day if that's if that was the case. Mm-hmm. If he slid over that way, um, but Sharp for me is the most well-rounded. Um, running back aside from Bijan in this class. Uh, he does everything very well. I think you and I actually just did the, the player breakdown for him um, last week. I don't know if you yep, know, and that'll be coming that out yet. But, that'll be coming out this week. Remember um, I, my intro, I struggled for like 42 different takes because I forgot who I was. <laughs> yeah it's it's that yeah. early onset dementia for the dynasty dad. You know, we'll we'll work through it that. happens, man. Yeah. But um yeah, I I I do love Sharp and I think he's gonna be a great um, you know, 
uh, consolation prize, if you will, um, for people that do miss out on Bijan and Gibbs. Um, I think he will be a three down back. And I think he's going to probably be a day one contributor for some team. You know, I think he's brought, he's going to produce fantasy points day one. Um, and, and that's what I look for in that type of pick in the, the 107. I think I want somebody that's going to be a starter for me day one. I want that person scoring me points from the, the second they hit the field. Um, so I think that's why I have Sharp over him um, currently, but it's early, man. It's, I always tell people it's early, so who knows what's going to happen. Mung, you, you ended up going with someone totally different there at that 107 area, you know, trying to stay with the super flex trend, the most jacked up quarterback possible right now. You know, three months ago he was, was looking like us. Now he's looking like he's in the WWF, WWE, showing my age a little bit. Mung, Will Levis, at, at your, he's your six. You know, a consensus puts us in that top seven there. Why do you have him this high? And is this kind of a, a similar situation where, I mean, I had him, this is one of our, I had him at 10. Uh, you have him at six. Snoog has him at eight. Nerdboy has him at 15. John still has him at 20. So, I mean, let, let's sell John on why we're, we should be taking him a little bit earlier. Well, for starters, there are multiple mock drafts that project Levis to be a top 10 pick, potentially even top five. And right off the bat there, that kind of draft capital would keep him really high in super flex rookie formats. Mm -hmm. Again, I cannot stress enough how important the quarterback position is in super flex, right? In one quarterback, these guys are all going for thirds uh, in normal 10 or 12 team one QB formats. But in super flex, having an upside QB2, a reliable QB3, those are all important depth pieces to your roster. Mm -hmm. And Levis, even though he was a late bloomer, he's got a strong arm. He's got good athleticism. People slept on Daniel Jones when he came out. Giants fans hated that pick. And he turned out to be fairly serviceable in fantasy. And I think Levis could be just that. And to me, I'm a little bit higher on him than consensus. And I'm also a little bit lower than consensus on both Johnson and Charbonnet. So for me, if you can get up to the 107 from the 108, 109, 110 range for fairly cheap, I would do it because I do think his ADP uh, is going to be lower than it should be come May. And I'm glad you've you've come around on that. When I put out Will Levis' as top 10, you know, super flex pick two months ago, the, the Patreon was like, wow, this is just stupid. Uh, now, as far as Will Levis goes, I agree completely with what you said about the 107. Right now, I am trying to get to the 107 because someone's gonna someone's gonna reach, someone's gonna get a dream landing spot. Let's say you know Charbonnet goes to that perfect spot, or Addison goes to you know there, there's going to be a spot there where seven to ten is a perceived tier right now. I want to be in the top of that tier because one through six feels so chalk. Who knows, though? Maybe someone decides they don't need a quarterback and they reach for a wide receiver and all of a sudden you know, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or someone like that falls because they're trying to get into that area of need. I want to be at that 107. Um, Snoog, we're going to talk about, since we, we already talked about Levis, Hendon Hooker now, they're talking about potential round one draft capital as well. I mean, if not mid-second round, we're talking about first round. I had him at 15. Uh, Mung had him at 12. You, Nerd Boy, and John all have him in those 20s. I mean, if he gets round one draft capital, he has to at least flirt with early second, late first round super flex value. 
Yeah, first I want to clarify myself. Quentin Johnson does not have the level of ceiling as JSN. I know I said that. I did not mean to say that. I, I was thinking about that that whole time. He was worried somebody was going to hold you on blackmail no against that. Like, <laughs> no one's holding me for that. That's not a receipt. JSN all day. But, yeah, Hendon Hooker. Um, he's a baller, right? But he, I can't get over it. I get like Kenny Pickett vibes from him, like that 24, 25-year-old prospect. Had that really good last year. He looked phenomenal. He's a good pocket passer. He can make plays on the run. Good arm. The, I think the torn ACL is what's throwing me off because you've got a guy that's already old coming in, and he's probably not going to play maybe. He probably mm-hmm. will miss rookie camp. He'll probably miss training camp too. I haven't looked too much into it, to be honest, because um, – uh, it's honestly a hit or miss, right? If they're not a first-round quarterback, then you're kind of just hoping they play. Like Sam Howell, Malik Willis, guys like that. A lot of people had them as a first-round grade, and they end up being third, fourth-round guys, and they barely played last year. And I actually think Howell was a pretty decent prospect. He, he, he fell off, but he was really good in a lot. He was like the consensus 101 for a while. So Hooker is someone that I'm going to take shots on for sure, especially in my format, six-point super flex. That's all I try to play. In those leagues, I'm going to be taking shots on him in the second round. And if he goes first, you can make an argument for him in the early second, even probably even late first. Some people will make an argument for if he's a first-round pick, right? I mean, McShay today, Nerd Boy, says he had Hendon Hooker going to Minnesota at 23. With them potentially trying to get out of Kirk Cousins' situation, you know, paired up with Justin Jefferson, I mean, just how high, if he goes 23, and I know we're doing a lot of speculation here, he goes that high, you have to almost feel like he goes in that 10 to 12 range. Yeah, he will. He honestly will. Yeah, I mean, he he will. I'm not going to fully fade hooker at all um i will probably own a couple shares of him i'm not going to reach on him though mm-hmm. um you know he's what older than justin herbert right now imagine justin herbert in college <laughs> I mean, like right now do you imagine yeah. like him he's we're he's talking about 24 year olds playing against 18 19 year old kids and we always have to put that into perspective um he's a grown man you know and he's He's playing against kids that have to do laundry at their mom's house, you know, or it's just, we have to about this stuff because yeah. his development, he's going to be 25 trying to learn the NFL schemes. And um, I, I just, I, I have to take that into uh, consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that, you know, older quarterbacks haven't come in. I think there's been a couple cases where, you know, um, I can't remember who came in at 24, 25, um, but it's pretty rare for them yeah. to be a legitimate starter in the NFL at that age. Um, there's not a lot of people that have done that. So um, if he can do that, good on him. But I'm not going to reach on him um, over, you know, the big time prospects um, in hopes that he, you know, he does hit. I, I think there's just there's more guys in the in the second round that I think I'd rather take over Hooker and then you know, cross my fingers for him. Um, it's like the movie I, bench, love to be bench wrong, warmers holding up his sign saying, I am 12. You know, he was trying to sneak <laughs> in there with the younger guys. Uh, let's, let's move on to, you know, we talked about, we talked about Charbonnet a little bit. Uh, and then we talked about Addison. I feel like we're all pretty consensus on Addison. Addison feels like one of the safest wide receivers in this class. Um, you know, the floor is, is very high for Jordan Addison. The ceiling <laughs> is also high. We're not quite, you know, I, 
the when you look at him, the way he route, runs routes, when you compare it for reception perception next to JSN, in a lot of areas, he's actually superior to that. And he's one that we've talked about has been quarterback proof playing at, at two different schools. But let's move into the next area. So those we have our one through nine right now, Bijan, Stroud, Richardson, Young, JSN, Gibbs, Quentin Johnson, Charbonnet, Addison, Levis. So that is our our top 10. Now we go to another wide receiver here, uh, Zay Flowers. You know, we have him anywhere from that 9 to 13 range, as well as I I feel like we have to put Joshua Downs in there too, because Josh Downs, I absolutely love. I have him at 11. I have Zay Flowers at 13, which again, really similar rankings to to Nerd Boys. Um, Both of these guys, I think, are exciting. Snoog, if you had to pick between Flowers and Downs right now, who's that guy for you? Because you have them super close, 11 and 12. I think both of these guys l- look like they're getting round one draft capital now. Yeah, that's a toss-up for me. I think I'm rolling the dice there and kind of going with what my gut says. I think Flowers has the higher ceiling. I think Downs is a lot safer of a floor because I think Flowers is more of that dynamic skill set, kind of that playmaker, super quick, super fast, field stretching, very good in short areas, but Downs just in, is spectacular at high-pointing the ball for his size, and that's where he separates himself from the other sub-5'11 guys. No one can go up and catch the ball like him, um, and he's also has phenomenal hands. I think he was like second or first maybe amongst the class in contest, contested catch rate which is also like a crazy stat for a guy with small hands like him. So he's, he's just a very sound, good player. And both of these guys are definitely 11 and 12 for me, even 10. They're going to be first round all day for me and go-to targets for me in my rookie drafts. I love it. Um, Mung, Downs is a guy that you were a little bit down on, no pun intended there, a little bit lower in your rankings. What was it that you saw that you were not, you know, you and John have him ranked the lowest. Tell me a little bit about why you have him ranked where you do. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind so much that he's 5'9", but being sub 180 is just a huge, huge deal in the NFL. Uh, my comp for him was like Taylor Gabriel, who actually was pretty good downfield and made some great contested catches uh, he would have those big monster fantasy weeks where he'd have like one catch for 60 yards and a touchdown. But I, I don't know that Downs is going to be a reliable fantasy contributor. I think he'll be a fine contributor, a complimentary wide receiver for an NFL team. But I would not trust to see volume for him on a week-in, week-out basis. And with that, I would not expect consistent fantasy production either. Nerd boy, I mean, you look at Mung brings up the point of the size, and if you look at player profiler, he's compared to Elijah Moore. He's in that same area size wise as Wandale Robinson. But when you watch him, what separates that for you? Where you're like, hey, he's not going to be in that Elijah Moore, Wandale Robinson mold. He's going to be more in that, you know, guy that we're going to draft with round one draft capital. Yeah, he plays a lot bigger than his size. You know, he's if you watch it, he plays you would never know how tall he was, you know, because like, like Snook said, um, his contested catch rate, he is over 70% on last, last year he was over 72% on his contested catch rate. Um, so he is just, his start, start stop is elite. His open fields um, 
his movements in the open field are just amazing. You know, he can manipulate the defenders. He gets separation any way that he can. Um, so he's definitely adapted to being that size. And I think he did that a long time ago um, to the point where it's not going to affect him at all in getting separated. Uh, I, I watch tape and he can start, stop. He's burning these guys, like absolutely burning them. You know, he can mm-hmm. – I don't remember what his, his speed time was or anything like that, but he's a speedster. He's got wheels, and he's got a great, a great footwork. So I, I'm very excited about Downs. You know, I have him, um, you know, comfortably above Flowers um, at that. I think I think I'm ahead of 110 or 111. Um, mm-hmm. But I have those two guys back to back in um, in rankings. But I I would take Downs over Flowers all day. For sure. That's right. Yeah, our rankings are so similar. It's kind of crazy when I was looking at it. But this is what's interesting for me is as far as dynasty goes. And I know, Mung, you look a lot more of the profile of like, hey, this guy's got this size comp. It's a guy I'm out on. That doesn't mean that he could not have more value where Mike's looking at, at tape and saying, hey, he's jumping off here. This is a guy that I want. That's why we try to bring on people. We try to do things at Smash Except where we're trying to get you ahead of the curve. So once you see the draft capital as that last piece of the puzzle, you guys can make your own educated decisions. And, you know, we're going to continue to guys help you guys in that. If you guys want to join the Patreon, obviously we're doing a lot of that in there talking. Let's move on to our consensus 12. And again, nerd boy, you know, like, we both moved this guy up the same exact time. We almost all have him the same way. Dalton Kincaid is just looks like that dog. He looks he reminds me a lot of Zach Ertz. He's gonna have a lot of contested catches moving across the middle. This is a guy that man, I just saw a recent mock draft, had him go to the Bengals, and I'm like salivating. I think Dalton Kincaid, for all of us, we've all moved him above Michael Mayer. You know, it's we have them Kincaid at twelve and Michael Mayer at fifteen. Two great tight ends. For me, I put you know, I put a thread out the other day where I have him ranked as my dynasty tight end eight already. You know, right in that same area as Waller above Dolchich, but not quite high as high as Fryer Moose. So I'm excited about him. Where that's someone that we're going to continue to talk about over the next couple of months. At third, at 14, we have Zach Evans. So this is another one where you know we're we're up, we're down. But Snoog, you're. I mean, if you guys didn't listen to the draft profile that we have out there. I I put it on the Patreon, but I made it available to the public, so you don't have to be a paid Patreon to listen to it, just for an example of what you guys can actually get in that Patreon. But Snoog, you nailed it with Zach Evans. Why do you love him? I mean, I know this is a guy that you got excited when you started talking about. Yeah, I mean, there isn't five better running backs in this class than Evans, so I'm super high on him. He's such a natural running back, and just the way he moves and manipulates defenders excellent at taking the angles away um he's a very good pure runner as well he was one of the best charted running backs in this class analytically and he's so efficient i mean i i think the issues he had in college the fumbles we talk about we talked about on our profile overview with him that's most definitely a concern but that's something you could fix right he's pretty decent athletically four four five to four five ish range that that's where i had him i think that's accurate for his speed he pops a lot of big runs so that that's pretty fast for a running back when uh, you spoke about the big runs and i, I was talking to I, I was i was listening to some content of garrett price and it's very similar to quentin johnston as far as like we're looking at a raw type prospect where you look at zach evans sometimes and you'll see a play that just wows you. And that's why I got to really talk against just watching highlight films. Like uh, some guys just watch, 
you know, they're going to watch Quentin Johnson highlights and you're like, he's the wide receiver one. You're going to watch Zach Evans highlights and you're like, wow. But then there, you'll have four or five plays after that where you're like, this guy doesn't have the vision. He's not quite seeing the holes. So, you know, it, draft capital is going to be huge for him. Right now, I know you have him in that in that top five range. And we talk about these guys where it's, it's Evans, Tucker, A-Chain, Spears, Bigsby. Whoever that guy gets the best draft capital is going to shoot into that RB4 area. And I know pre-process, you know, you have him right there. So I think Zach Evans is a is a home run type, super athletic, going to be fun. Let's talk about the next guy on our list is is Sean Tucker. Um, or No, I'm sorry, Devin A-Chain. So, nerd boy, this is, we, we, we talked a lot about profiles, about sizes and everything like that. Likely day two draft capital might even be, you know, second, third round. This guy's small, but man, he is just an absolute home run waiting to happen. Yeah, he's he's got some natural hands. He's he's pretty electric as far as his birth and um, you know, his just natural play playmaking skills. Um, he just needs the ball in his hands and he does the work, you know. Um, he's another guy that plays a little bigger than his actual size. You know, he he has a pretty good um ability to break tackles for a small guy. Um, and then, like I said, he's he's good at lining up on the outside. Um, I think he did a lot of slot work, and you know, I I do call him um, to a like a Pollard in the sense that he is a, a pretty natural receiving back, um, and I think that they could do a lot of the same stuff that Pollard does. They have him in the slot, or they mm-hmm. they line him up on the outside. Um, that's why I'm I'm relatively high on him because I think his receiving ability is actually keep him in the fantasy. Um, you know, in, in the fantasy conversation for sure. Um, and, and I think you can easily carve out a pretty good role in any team that he lands on. And I was thinking you and I were high on him. You're at 17. I'm at 18. I'm seeing a lot of major analysts have him 10 to 12 range. And I'm just like the wide receivers that you're passing up there. Like we talk about the, the running backs, they're going to have to hit, you know I mean? The running backs have that idea of where we can, we, we can flip them quicker, but 12 is really, really early. Mung, you have another running back who you have in your top 12, um, higher than, than consensus. John's the second highest there. Sean Tucker, you have at 11. Talk to me about what you saw with Sean Tucker, because this guy's a little up and down as far as you see things. And I think a lot of it came from, you know, not performing at the combine and kind of filming his own pro day. Yeah, I don't know if I'm really dumb or, or really smart because I'm way lower on both Zach Evans and uh, uh, A-Chain. But I, I'm super high on Sean Tucker. Uh, my comp for him was Ronald Jones, where I know that's not – it doesn't sound like it's a good comp <laughs> because of the career trajectory for Ronald Jones. But, I, I mean, he's – Tucker's an explosive runner. He's got that big playability. Not going to be used a ton as a receiver. Uh, you know, a lot of issues with drops, iffy hands for sure. But at the same time, I, when I looked at his tape, I kept thinking about that one play that Ronald Jones made with the Bucks, where he basically ran for a 98-yard touchdown or whatever it was from their own goal line. And that's the kind of big playability that Tucker has. So, a lot's going to depend on draft capital and landing spot, but I do think that he could make it for an explosive early down running back option if he lands with a good offense with a good offensive line. 
I like it. Next guy on our list is Tajay Spears. Snoog's already talked about him a little bit. John's not on here to defend himself. He has him all the way up at 10 overall. Uh, the rest of us have him in the 20s. Nerdboy, you have him at 13. So I'm going to let you defend him for John and for yourself. I mean, he is electric as well, but the, the ACL tears have to worry you some. Yeah, yeah. So that's initially I had him very low. I actually had him in the third round. Um, I started my my rankings and you know at the beginning when I was talking um just tape and stuff like that and um you know I I dived back into it and I looked at his testing numbers and um you know I didn't realize how good of a receiver he was um he is amazing at you know just another guy with natural hands um he was I want to say did over 1900 all-purpose yards last year with Tulane. I think he was their entire offense last year. Um, he pretty much, just, you know, carried that entire team. Um, you know, he has like really good side-to-side agility. He has good open field movement. Um, he's explosive. You know, his his movement is insane. I can see why he he tore his ACL because uh, he's stop on a dime and change direction. Um, you know, that the injury does have me a little concerned because of the way that he played. Um, he is just explosive and he, you know, changes direction so fast. Um, you know, but I've I've seen a lot of running backs come back from that and you know, have a pretty pretty good career. Um yeah, so you right there's just a me. lot to love yeah about about him. Um, but he's he's a dual threat. He's gonna you know, he's he's a little undersized, but at the same time, I think he's gonna he's gonna be like a chain in the sense that he's gonna carve out a good you know receiving role, and um, I think he's gonna be a you know a great back for for one of these teams that take him in the second round. Yeah, I mean, fifteen hundred eighty-one rushing yards, nineteen touchdowns. This is where. I, the only thing I say is draft capital is going to be everything. They're going to show you what they feel about him, you know, and, and you know, there's so many times during this process that we've done over the last several years at Smash Except where we love a prospect and then he goes fourth round and we're going to pass up on a guy that goes second round. You know, if those running backs get that day, that round three draft capital is so much bigger. You the, Occasionally your round four guys pop off, you know, you have a good season, but those aren't the guys that they invest in. If they get round two, going to be huge round three is still in that area and we'll see what happens with spears who we have as 19 right now at 20 uh we have oh we have kendra miller snoog you're up again man this is your your other guy that we did a profile on i know we could fill a whole hour podcast but give me a 30 second prompt on why kendra miller you have him at let's see you have him at 13 john has him at 13 i have him at 24 so don't yell at me but Tell me why I should be moving him up. Yeah, he just checks every box outside of receiving. So he he he's one of those guys that stands out as a workhorse sized back. Not many in this class do. He has the vision, the the patience, the contact balance, and the good finesse to power blend that not a lot of running backs have. So he's one of the most complete backs in this class. He showed it at TCU. He dominated that offense and just absolutely carried the workload and showed that he's a four or three down workhorse back. So I, no reason he shouldn't be at the NFL level. And he's one of the most explosive backs in this class for sure. I like it. 
you know, and I'll continue to work in the in the process and try to look at. We have again for me, it's draft capital. I mean, are these running backs? We have the wide receivers really dominating the the late firsts, and we have mostly running backs in in that second round, and they're going to be moving around a lot. So that's why you got to stay fluid in this area. At twenty one, Jalen Hyatt Mung. This is someone we're all kind of in that you know twenty ish range. He obviously won the Blitnikoff Award, but this is someone who has really had a, a interesting offseason. I mean, it's gone from, yeah, hey, he might get drafted in the first round. People start moving him up. I was looking at Dynasty Trade Calculator, has him at the 111. I'm not even getting close to that type. But Jalen Hyatt, is that someone that you're worth, you know, isn't worth investing here when you start talking about mid to late second? Uh, I have him in the early third, but I, I think it's fine because – in general, he is a good vertical threat. Again, my concern is size here. Um, we know guys like Devontae Smith can succeed, but he's a true outlier in that sense. And I, I'm just not sure that Hyatt's going to be more than a slot guy uh, with those occasional vertical shots. And for me, I would not invest significant draft capital in rookie drafts on Hyatt. Nurbo, what do you think about Hyatt? I mean, this is someone that we've we've kind of been all over the board. You know, we thought... At the combine, he was going to run 4-3 the way he looked on the field. He didn't. You know, he did not test out super well. And I think it's definitely hurt his draft stock, which is what's completely tied to what his, his super flex value is going to be. Yeah, he is. He's kind of a one trick pony. You know, he does one thing. He does it very well. Um, you know, his his speed definitely is his um, his strength, you know, um, but he's usually just run and go route for the most part. Um you know, I, I think he could maybe carve out a decent role for a team. Um, I don't think I'm going to spend any any draft cap. I think he's not going to skip over him. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, best case scenario, he's a Will Fuller, you know, um, that gets those big plays and, um, you know, he has those boom-bust games. But um, I'm, I'm pretty out on him. I've always been out on him, you know, because I, I think – I need somebody that has a good root tree and, and does things a little more, um, you know, saw so, so, yeah, I say as far as, you know, I need somebody a little more well-rounded than, than a one trick pony. Cause I can't, I can't put that, that high draft capital on somebody that just do one thing. It's not yeah, going to work well. I don't think the guy that we have in that, in that area right now, Snoog, you have him very high after recent pro day notables running a four, three, one, a 41 inch vert weighing in at two seventy seven. Is he a Bonaconda man? Like, he has helped his draft stock so much. This is a guy that I definitely had as a third rounder, and he has just crept up. All of us are starting to move him up draft boards. Mung, you have him all the way up at 15. Snoog, you have him at 19. You know, we keep moving him up. Is it worth it? I mean, we, if he tests that way with his size, this is someone who I think has really helped his draft stock more than any other running back. Is it me or Mang? It's you, man. Oh, uh, cool, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Uh, is he checks so many boxes uh, he's 20 years old which is something to focus in on when he gets drafted he's still going to be 20 years old so he's a young back in this class and he, he checks so many boxes he checks the athletic box the size box there's not many workhorse size backs in this class like i mentioned he's one of them though and that's something that an nfl team and scouts are looking for especially nowadays, they're looking for those two down grinders that can make big plays. And with his elite athleticism, blend that together with a system power run scheme like Miami, and he he's going to get a lot of quality touches from day one. 
moving on to our last two guys here, the first round. We're going with Marvin Mims at two eleven. Uh, Nerd boy, I mean, we talked. I, I don't want a lot to deal with the, the wide receivers in this second round. You know, I feel like the second round should absolutely be dominated by running backs. Is he one that's worth investing in this late second? Yeah, I like Mims. I, I look at him as like a discount Josh Downs, you know. So if you're in on Josh Downs, I think you have to be in on Mims. Um, they, they are similarly as far as prospects go. Um, have the same strengths where they have the, the same, you know, um, solid footwork and, you know, they're good on the line. Um, they have a really good first move and, uh, you know, they can get separation through their speed and their, their stop and go uh, ability. And I think he's, he's a solid, you know, late rounder. Um, and I think he, he should get pretty decent draft capital too. So um, I think he's a safe bet in, in that range. What we're going to do now is our last guy. You know, there was no serious consensus here. Um, so we're going to each kind of highlight one guy that you guys want to talk about that we did not bring up because we all have one guy. For me, that's Tank Bigsby. I think getting him in at the 212, I would be ecstatic. You know, I was looking at a uh, friend of the show at JCJ Dynasty has him compared to TJ Yeldon. You know, you saw he just ran a 446. At his pro day, I think this is a guy that the production's there. This is someone who I'm I'm buying in on for sure. I think he's going to have you know a, a role immediately and someone that I think is going to produce from day one in the NFL. Mung, who's the highest guy that you have on your board that we did not talk about today? Yeah, my 212, who uh, I think I'm a little bit higher on than some, is Roshan Johnson, because even though we didn't get to see a lot of him, because obviously Bijan was dominating the highlight reel, uh, I actually comp him to Jamal Williams, a solid, bigger, all-around back who can thrive in a complementary or backup role, where if he gets those goal line touches and a few receptions here or there, I do think he could fill in uh, as an RB2 or even better, depending on the landing spot. Snoog, is there a guy – now, I, I got to give it to you because the only guy – you actually hit on almost – we both were the had the all 24 guys almost the same. You have Kayshawn Boutte inside your top 24. This is a guy that two months ago we were talking about before his horrible – testing at the, at, at the combine and and the way he did you know performed there was potential late first round pick now we're getting him in the late second is this the type of value that we're ready to jump in yeah i mean i think he's most definitely polarizing but i think some people are overreacting just a little bit over the combine with him um he has great ball skills he's a he's a good football player for sure and he was in not for me but for some people he was in the argument for the wide receiver one five months ago so I think he just had a disappointing year. He's coming off that Linz Frank Frank Frack injury, however you say it. Yeah, it's Frank. <laughs> it it ruined my boy Travis Etienne, so I don't like to say that word, but um so it's most definitely an injury that's not something that you can get up and walk the next day, right? It takes time. So I think that's a big reason why he had a letdown of production in 2022. Um so I most definitely think K Tom Buti has a lot of upside in the late second round. Why not take the shot on him there? he's a good wide receiver he he produces on the field he produced at a young age at lsu at 18 years old had over 700 yards and then he had a really good second year until he got injured so he started off hot through his first year and a half of his career but tank bigsby would be my pick you stole it from me and you nailed it on the head there um he's going to be a day two guy in my opinion 
two down grinder with upside in the receiving game. And I think Auburn held them back there. That team sucked. No O-line. He was kind of the main focus the whole game. If you watch the games, a lot of the boxes are stacked and they're kind of focusing in on just stopping the run. No quarterback, can't throw the ball. Stop Tank Bigsby and you win the game. And that's what teams did. Nerd boy, we already talked one Tennessee wide receiver. The other one you have in your top 24, Cedric Tillman just, I'm seeing him go in the early third. And I think that's in late second, early third is tremendous value. Yeah, I think Tillman is going to be the one that you want off of that team. Um, I think a lot of people have kind of faded him because of injury. And, you know, they, they have that recency bias going that, you know, he, you know, hot is the one to get and this and that. But Tillman is definitely the most well-rounded guy off of that team. Um, and he's at that discount that I think, you know, you can't pass up on him. Um, and then Dalton Kincaid is, is making people fade Michael Mayer because I don't know why. Um but he's still an excellent tight end that, you mm-hmm. know, if you see him in the middle of the second round, um, smash that because he is a great all-around tight end. And, you know, he has that blocking that's going to keep him on the field. Um, and, and, you know, he might not catch as many balls as Kincaid, uh, but I think he's going to be a great fantasy producer for a lot of teams in, in TEP. So um, two games we didn't touch on that I think you definitely should be taking in the second round. Yeah, and we had him at 15, but that was where we were talking about Kincaid and him and trying to to go there. And I think he's become a value because everyone's been – Kincaid's that new hotness that everybody's been going through. So, again, guys, this is a little bit longer than we like to go. But make sure you guys follow at Fantasy Nerd Boy, at FF underscore Mung, at FF Snoog. You guys are awesome. Thanks again for tuning in and enjoy the process.